And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the telephone today is Michael Austin. He is with the Christian History Institute. And Michael, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, thank you, Dan. It's good to be with you. I was, um, I guess I'm on a mailing list of yours, Michael, and um, recently you sent out a notice that a new issue is available for Christian History Magazine, issue 118, and the title caught my attention. It was The People's Reformation, How Religious Upheaval Birthed Social Revolution, I thought that wow, that's that's quite a that's quite a title. <laughs> so uh, you know, as we get started here, maybe you can describe um, why that title and uh, what's behind that. Oh, I'd I'd be delighted to. Um, just as you were reading it, uh, reading the title, it, what came to mind was that so many Christians are familiar with. The Reformation, they think they're familiar with the Reformation. Uh, it's often the subject of a Bible study or a, a conversation. But in reading this, uh, this issue, um, I'm so became aware that we know so little about it. And in, in actual fact, uh, the, the, the subtitle, uh, how religious upheaval births social revolution is is so accurate mm. because it was uh, a time of enormous upheaval and change. Of course, we hear change a lot today. That term is uh, bandied about as as you're quite familiar. I think the the change that we we're going through and it's quite significant today. But the uh, the change at the time of, and this is, uh, we're talking about uh, very early 1500s, 1500 to uh, 1550, approximately. Um, the change at that time was just uh, unimaginable. It's fascinating to read the stories of the people involved and the issues involved. But just to give a, a quick example of it, um, the time and the and the social scene was fraught with uh, outright scandal, and what I mean by that, can you imagine that uh, people who were up until this time priests or nuns living a celibate life were marrying each other, mm. and uh, to many that was considered incest because they were both uh, a part of the bride of Christ, so, and so they were brother and sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and so to the mind, uh, the uh, the mind in in the Middle Ages, the part of that scandal was that this was uh, I mean this was just an, an unthinkable thing to a lot of people. So just one example of the many many uh, enormous changes taking place in the culture. Yeah, it's very significant, and um, I'm thinking back. Um, isn't the date 1517 significant with respect to Luther? I believe. Oh yes. That's uh, that actually is the year attributed to the beginning of the Reformation movement. That was the year on which he posted his uh, ninety-five theses on the door of the cathedral in Wittenberg. Yeah, and that uh, you know you have to pick a date, you have to pick an event 
that would be the start of something, and that uh, has been the traditional start of the Reformation movement, although it it actually uh, had its beginnings uh, many years prior to that. Yeah. If you uh, bring it forward pretty soon, it'll be uh, 2017, God willing, and so that's, what, mm-hmm. 500 years, I guess. That's right. It's the 500th anniversary, and wow. to commemorate that, the uh, the ministry and the magazine is producing four issues dedicated specifically to the Reformation. The first one was on the subject of Martin Luther, uh, appropriately, and this second one is about the the social revolution taking place and the people, the common folk, and how they were affected by this, uh, this revolution that was going on amongst the elite, both in the Church and in uh, rapidly forming governments. Yeah, and how about the follow-up issues after that? Two more yet? There will be two more, and uh, that will bring us into 2017, on this 500th anniversary, and I think that's going to be a a pretty big deal, because most of the Christian denominations, uh, most of uh, uh, universities and and institutions that we know and... um, Except as part of the Christian culture, look upon this Reformation movement as perhaps the most significant after the life and resurrection of our Savior. Yes. So this current issue about how basically theology affects the social aspect is very intriguing to me. Um, I have a pastor friend who often reminds me that um, the real need for America right now is revival and reformation, basically another great awakening. Have you ever heard that sentiment uh, expressed? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So many people are engaged in reviving the Church, um, continuing the Reformation. Many Christians don't feel, or they, they do feel, that these Reformers did not go far enough. Uh, they made a, a, a wonderful beginning to reform the faith. And so what you have here is a scenario of an established church at the time, of course, that was the Catholic Church. It was extremely corrupt. There were factions within the Catholic Church that were attacking one another violently. Then you also had reformers within that church. I think Luther is probably the most famous and and most referred to as a as a Augustinian monk, a Catholic priest who um, found something that uh, changed his life. Of course, what he found in in the Book of Romans was a reference to salvation through faith, not salvation through the Church, which set him on a course of opposition. Mm. And so that opposition is is alive today, and and many people feel that uh, this is time to to really continue the Reformation, mm-hmm. something that those men started. Now you have various articles inside this edition, this 118th edition of Christian History Magazine. One I just opened. You can you can find this online, by the way. Uh, yeah, Christian History Magazine dot org. Yeah, Christian History Magazine dot org, and then 
Uh, you can get this in hard copy, certainly, but you can also access it online, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the articles is listed as uh, when the state advanced the church. And uh, in our day and age, you think, oh, well, how could that possibly be? But that happened back then, and I see uh, you've got some nice uh, pictures here and a lot of documentation. It's it's quite interesting the way this is laid out. The magazine is well known for its artwork. In fact, all of the artwork is referenced so that you can uh, you can look up uh, the artwork using the internet and also the website itself, um, Christian History Magazine, or you can also use ChristianHistoryInstitute.org. Both go to the same location, um, and there's a lot of people who a lot of Christians and non-Christians who study art, um, particularly Christian art, and uh, this magazine is a great resource for those folks. Uh, a lot of people um, uh, approach me about about the art and how they have used the art to teach and preach and study. So it is a beautifully printed, uh, you know, it's a full glossy, full color printed magazine that I think people will uh, really enjoy. I, I enjoy the hard copy. I appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, you can read this on the uh, on the Internet, but it, there's nothing like uh, having it in your hand, uh, <laughs> sit in your easy chair with a cup of tea or whatever, and, and spend some time, some good quality time reading about these um, amazing people and these amaz- amazing events. The article you mentioned is, is my favorite in the issue, and it does bring up this issue of the relationship between church and state, and it's quite a different relationship at this time in, fi- in the 1500s than we are experiencing today, although there's um, some great similarities, and you can really glean perspective on understanding that relationship through this magazine. By the way, there's an earlier edition of Christian History magazine on the subject of Charlemagne, and Charlemagne, the study of Charlemagne, ties in with this uh, this particular study in the Reformation regarding the the issue of the relationship between church and state, which I believe really started with uh, uh, the relationship between Charlemagne. This was in uh, the 700s, and Pope Leo in Rome, who discovered how they could both better survive cooperating with each other and benefited greatly from that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so now this this relationship, this church and state issue is further down the uh, down the road, so to speak, in, in the 1500s, when the Reformers uh, depended upon, and for their very survival, were, were depending upon the support of uh, a king or a magistrate who might be their uh, uh, their personal worldly savior, um, because otherwise they were being hunted down by the Catholic Church. Yeah, it's fascinating, and it, uh, I would encourage listeners to acquire a, a hard copy of this magazine. It's called uh, Christian History Magazine. I'm just flipping the pages online, and indeed, the, the artwork is beautiful. And then there's another article... Uh, allies or enemies, the Reformers soon divided over crucial issues. Yes. It talks about Luther. And I think this points out uh, very honestly something here, and that is you document Christian history, uh, the people, warts and all. They're, they're far from perfect. 
Absolutely, and of course that's consistent with the with the Bible. Our Scripture is uh, points that out uh, amply that uh, this is not uh, you know the, the history of the church and history of the faith remarkably and I believe uniquely in the world is is tied to history and actual living people who who did things that uh, were definitely not examples of perfection but were examples of, of in many cases, great faith uh, and trust and the, the work of our Heavenly Father mm. in our lives. We, we are the recipients and the beneficiaries of uh, the intervention of the Creator Himself in our lives and in our times. And that is something that is very, very precious and meaningful and unique about the Christian faith. Mm, yeah. I have an interest also in um, the creeds which flowed from the Reformation and uh, the great statements of faith, such as the Westminster Confession, um, the European uh, earlier confessions of faith, uh, three forms of unity and all of that. If you take the time and study those documents, it helps you... Um, think clearly about the scriptures, and if you memorize some of them, it actually keeps you from heresy when when um, temptations come into your life. I agree. I agree. You would be very interested in the issue 116, just two issues before this, uh, an issue titled 25 Writings That Changed the Church and the World. Oh, yeah. And that, uh, yeah, that is about... 25 writings that were selected among from the uh, contributors to the to the magazine over the years um, the editors sent out a survey to many of them asking them for their top five yeah and out of that survey they came up with the top 25 since the time of Christ oh that's really neat yeah um, I think people realize this, but we need to recognize it, that we have a, a faith that's based on Word. Um, and, you know, the Word is made flesh, certainly Jesus, and the Word is, it's documented. We have a, we have a canon of scriptures. It's, it's objective. We can go read it. Uh, the church over the ages has agreed upon which books constitute the Old Testament, the New Testament. And so we are very uh, word-based, and it's an easy temptation, of course, to always watch TV or watch movies. You know, it's it's more of a mindless pursuit, if you will, but to hear the Word. Some people like to listen to books being read, uh, just the audio, and it actually uh, exercises our mind a bit more, I think. Mm. Now, um, Christian History Magazine, if, if someone would like to order. You you have uh, older issues that you can still order, is that correct? Yes, uh, there are archive uh, issues. In fact, they've, they've just recently republished uh, issue 69, which is a wonderful study on the Wesleys, both Charles and John Wesley. Yeah. That's been revived and reprinted so that uh, you can go on the website and purchase that. Mm-hmm. But you know the the great thing about this ministry, and I love this ministry. The uh, the donors of the ministry are so convicted about the need for Christian history in our in our culture in our society that they're making this available without cost. So 
your listeners can go right on that website, christianhistorymagazine.org, and subscribe to the magazine and receive a year's subscription at no cost. Uh, it is a quarterly, so they'll get those issues in the mail. And um, also on the website, the entire bibliography, if you will, or an entire uh, collection of 118, as you pointed out, can be read on the screen. You can, they can also acquire, purchase a CD, which um, is composed of, I think the, the latest one brings you up to about to the 115th issue, you know, all available on a CD. Mm, yeah. So all of this material is available, and the purpose of this, frankly, uh, well, the, the ministry was started back in 1984 by a man named Ken Curtis. Ken Curtis was a documentarian. He was a filmmaker. In fact, um, uh, he was a producer of a very famous film, The Cross and the Switchblade, oh, yes. which you might be familiar with. And Ken was a wonderful historian, wrote and produced many uh, documentary films, but he came under the conviction that the Christians just don't know very much about history, much less the history of the faith and history of the religion. So he, um, he started this magazine for this very purpose. Well, what has happened since then is that the Christian uh, history and faith has been eliminated uh, from our public education system. Yeah. And so our Christian families, if they wish to make this, uh, this history available to their children, need a resource such as this. And, and it's wonderful that uh, this is a resource that literally everyone can afford because uh, so much of it is available at no cost at all. Yeah. That's remarkable, um, and hopefully hopefully most readers will be willing to contribute in order to keep the magazine going, because this sort of thing takes a lot of money to uh, to produce a magazine like this. It sure does, but yeah. of course donations are welcomed, but um, if, if uh, folks do not have the means right now, then uh, uh, the donors are more than happy and eager to get it into people's hands. Do you ever come across people who uh, say, well, that's history, that's old, um, I want something current? <laughs> um, how do you answer that objection? Any words of uh, advice? Well, actually, the best, uh, I think the best response is to hand them one of these magazines <laughs> because <laughs> uh, they're going to become fascinated and uh, and what they see, but I think you're right. I think that uh, today the our culture is you know extremely youth oriented, extremely new oriented. We're always looking for something new. Um, we as Christians must be aware of that spirit, and I think that uh, uh, I think it was Peter uh, reminded us that you know our faith is not about myth. And it's not about fables. Yeah, it's about real life. Yeah, and I tell people that you know our our heavenly Father had to take history very seriously because he he's preserved for us, <laughs> right? Uh, arguably, the the greatest history book ever written. Yeah. In fact, the Bible, the Holy Bible, is considered a 
seminal history book by uh, secularists, humanists, and atheists mm. uh, alongside um, those of faith and, and those in, in the religion field. So I, I think we can, and we can be assured that our, our Father takes history very seriously. Oh yes, for sure. Uh, we're almost uh, out of time here for today, but two more personalities pop out. One is William Tyndale, and you guys have written about him. Anything come to mind about William Tyndale? Tyndale is a, is a great favorite of mine personally. He's an amazing character. Um, he, his language, his use of language, is the foundation of the King James Bible. He committed his life to preserving uh, the Scripture. He lived at a time when you were uh, burned at the stake, uh, basically for trafficking, if you will, in the Scripture. Um, the, the Catholic Church in that day uh, was, well, you know, the, the Scriptures were so misunderstood, even by the Catholics themselves. Most of the Catholic uh, priests said in his time did not understand Latin. And so they, um, uh, this, this was an extraordinary moment in history, and it, really unthinkable to, for us today that we would not be able to uh, have in our possession a copy of, the, of our scriptures. And we owe this greatly to, um, to this man, William Tyndale. Mm. Um, and they have written eloquently about him, and he's just a very special read. Mm. Praise God for these men in history and women in history who loved God and were willing to lay down their life for truth. The other name that came to my mind was Calvin, and I did a quick search, and I see that um, some time ago you did an issue on John Calvin. Uh, He's certainly a favorite of mine. And then further, I see that you have a Reformation Set Bundle, where you can uh, order this up. You can get John Wycliffe, John Calvin, Thomas Cranmer, John Huss, Martin Luther, and this issue we were talking about earlier, number 118, The People's Reformation. So this is, this is a great opportunity for people to learn about their faith and how that it's grounded historically. Today we've been talking with Michael Austin of Christian History Institute, and Michael, one more time, how would people look you up on the web and if they wish to contact you? Yes, go to the website, uh, christianhistorymagazine.org or christianhistoryinstitute.org. Um, go right on that um, homepage. There you'll find a reader. You can select whatever issue. Right now, of course, our issue 118 is featured there. You can turn each and every page, and, and uh, expand the text so it's easy to read, and uh, also explore a wonderful search engine on that website that, that is being used now by students, uh, middle school students, high school students, and even colleges are using the uh, making the uh, website available for mm-hmm. research and study. Well, thank you very much. Michael Austin has been our guest today here on A Plain Answer, Christian History Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for your interest in history, Dan. It's wonderful to be with you. 
And dear listener, you can find this broadcast up on our website as a podcast. Please check us out. We're found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.